This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Fully fit and wonderful gal who's done so much with her life that she had to... I had to... When I found out all the things that she does, I had to bring her here to talk to you guys because she is nothing short of sensational. She's been on national TV 200 times. She is a, uh, um, a race announcer. She is a fitness buff. She's worked with Hollywood stars. She's worked with a lot of people to get them to where they want to be. She works with kids and she's a breast cancer survivor. And, uh, so she's done all of that. She's a wonderful person. And, uh, and, uh, first of all, Eric, I got to say, hello, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. Doing fine. Good, good, good. Hey, um, would you like to tell everybody, because this is going to be a really cool, important show, would you like to tell everybody how uh, the many myriad of ways that they can listen and watch the show? Absolutely. Would love to. Uh, of course, you can listen on the radio at 1150 AM KKNW and uh, on HD at 98.9 HD Channel 3. But you can also just go to 1150kknw.com where you can watch the show and listen to the show streaming audio or listen uh, on our KKNW app. In addition, <laughs> you can also <laughs> check out the show live and archived later on Facebook, both Positive Talk Radio and uh, 1150 KKNW's Facebook also, uh, KKNW's YouTube and Positive Talk Radio's YouTube <laughs> channels and KKNW's Twitter as well. So there's so many ways that people can listen. There's just really no excuse for anybody to miss the show anymore. And if you're driving around Seattle at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, it's probably sitting in traffic as well. How is traffic today, by the way? It's been pretty decent. Nice and uh, light volumes on those freeways today, thankfully. Oh, this is the the one time of the day that I really want traffic to be heavy. Uh, just so people <laughs> can sit there for an hour. And, well, that's and the beautiful thing about the podcast, of course, that I don't think I mentioned that. But, of course, uh, people can go back later and uh, subscribe to the podcast and listen at their leisure. Take it with them when they are stuck in traffic. I tell you, we're everywhere. It's really, it really is cool. It took, you know, almost 15 minutes for you to, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, but you're like really Johnny Cash it. said, we've been everywhere, man, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I'd have said that. That's really cool. Um, so, uh, Eric, this is the, the young lady we have with us. She has done so much. She's highly entertaining. Um, you know, one of the things that I didn't even know this was a thing, but apparently there are a few people around the country that are actually race announcers. I, you know, I often wondered that as I was running my marathons, of course, you know, that I've run many. Okay. I haven't, uh, but <laughs> I, I was going to say, this is news to me, <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but there are, there are people who actually do they they announce the races and they get everybody excited and if you go to our website which by the way go to fitsness.com and you can and it's f i t z n e s s.com and you can find out all about her it's going to take you a while to read her bio she's a keynote speaker she's a race announcer um and and 
I've seen her. She there's if you go on YouTube and look her up, she is like announcing a race, and there are like twenty thousand runners that are going going by her as as she's announcing the race. It really is um, remarkable, and and she got into that. And we're going to talk about all of that, but rather than you and me talk about it, we should invite her on so that she can talk about it because she's a very special person. And uh, she, like I said, she works with kids. She does workout videos. She does everything. So, so with that, Fitz, I would like to welcome to the show. How are you today? Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing awesome. I've been looking forward to this all week. And of course, it's only Monday. Me as well. And I got to tell, because you're in Seattle, it makes me think of one of my favorite shows, Frasier. Yes. And last time I was announcing a race in Fra- in uh, Seattle, which was the DC Super uh, Wonder Woman series, I actually sang the Frasier song into the microphone at the finish line. And I'm pretty sure I damaged everybody's ears, but I <laughs> could not do it. Because <laughs> when you're in Seattle on a microphone, you got to sing. I agree. I agree. And did you spend any time? Were you able to spend any time here and go down to Fremont and some of the, the places where, uh, you know, grunge rock was born and all that stuff? You know, I did the city pass, which was awesome. I highly recommend it. In fact, I was recommending it to a neighbor today. I did the Space Needle, the aquarium, a boat ride, and the Pop Museum, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. The what museum? Pop Museum. Do you not oh, know? Yeah. Well, I've only lived here 60 years. I'm not sure I know what the pop museum is. Oh, it's so fun. I mean, they have an entire floor dedicated to terrifying movies. They have Freddy Krueger's knife hands in there. And there's a floor for Marvel and a floor for uh, music. And um, what's what's the big band out of Nirvana? It's great. It's a museum full of stuff that has been intertwined in everybody's life. So... Whether instead of looking at sculptures and beautiful art made by some guy you don't care about, this is uh, the pop museum is really fun and engaging. That's now going to have to be on my bucket list. I'm going to have to go there. Eric, are you I'm familiar with it? Yeah, you've never been to Mopop? No, I, 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 I've led a sheltered life. It used to be called the Experience Music Project or EMP. Uh- Oh, okay. It's at Seattle Center, yeah. Frank Gehry Design Building, a fabulous place. Well worth really cool. checking out. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where they had the uh, Jimi Hendrix exhibit for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yes, yeah, so I okay, I I didn't know they changed the name and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, but that's so that's really cool. But uh, I'd like you to kind of give us a thumbnail sketch, if you would, about how you got into doing all of these really cool things that you're doing, traveling the country, you're talking to celebrities, you're working with them just so that they can get into shape and yeah. you work with sports figures. You, you have a, a, a podcast or you've had shows of your own and you've yeah. done lots of things. You've, you know, 200, uh, or 200 uh, appearances on national, uh, national shows. It's just amazing. Yeah. So I started teaching fitness right when I turned 15 and fell in love with it. I didn't know I'd make a career out of it, but I it was something that I enjoyed and something I was pretty darn good at. And I kept doing that through college. I went to the University of Florida, go Gator, and instantly uh, was hired to teach at the UF Fitness Centers, which again was really enjoyable. But then I started taking little 
I don't know, side trips in my career. I worked on a cruise ship in Europe for a couple of months one summer. It allowed me to travel to Russia and Estonia and Norway and Sweden. And that was pretty magical. And when I came back, uh, there was a television producer having an audition for a new fitness show. And I auditioned and thankfully he hired me. And I had two great, you know, real aha career moments with that show called Cardio Jam. Number one was that my skills were translatable to a camera. So not everybody who can work with a live audience can also work with a camera. It's it's not the same. But for me, it was whoopee. It worked really well. And then, you know, the bigger aha moment came when strangers started stopping me after the show started airing and saying, I love your show. Thank you so much for your help. I've lost so much weight or I'm no longer in pain. And so that that connection with people and that ability to help strangers and mass, you know, if you're teaching fitness in a gym, you maybe get 50 people max, you know, through the TV show, I was getting thousands and thousands and, and the results were real because I was being grabbed by strangers saying, I love you and thank you. And it was just so meaningful to me. And so next up, I started writing articles and um, you'll appreciate this. I was a competitive kickboxer for about 10 years. That was my sport. And oh my I gosh. loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. It wasn't scary at all. It was just a great time. And um, I, I, there was a lot of people writing mag writing articles on me for magazines and, and how flattering, how lovely they would fly me to California, take all these beautiful photos. And then they would write a terrible article and they would make up quotes and they would butcher the spelling of my name. So it was really frustrating. And so finally I got up the courage to ask one of the editors, Hey, can I write an article for you? And he said, absolutely. And so my very first article was called how to kick people in the head, which was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and so the article gets published in a national magazine. And a few weeks later, I get a handwritten letter from some dude in Kentucky that says, Hey, Fitz, I just wanted to let you know that I've been doing combat sports and martial arts for many years. And thanks to your article, I finally kicked someone in the head. And I thought, oh, it's like I kicked that guy in the head. So I was elated. And, and really, that's where my addiction to mass media began. I just loved helping people. I loved helping hordes of people. And so the real satisfaction with my work or the only work that is satisfying to me is work that does reach enormous amounts of people. Um, so I do corporate speaking and sometimes a corporation will give me a thousand people to talk to, which I, I find just I, I, ecstasy. You know how some people have a fear of public speaking? Oh yeah. I have a fear of not public speaking. You know, it's just, please give me those people and the opportunity to fill their brains with news they can use to become fitter today is a big deal. And uh, then things have just evolved. I'm a sport performance expert and through that work, I was invited to do race announcing. And as you mentioned, sometimes it's me versus uh, 20, 30,000 people. And it's certainly one of the most fun things I do because as a fitness expert, I have to twist a lot of arms. I'm constantly trying to convince people, please exercise. It's good for you. But on race day, a race organization says, hey, Fitz Kohler, here's 30,000 people who think exercising is a good idea. Just make sure they know what to do and they have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. And so um, I am blessed. My my marquee events include Los Angeles Marathon, which will be next week. I do Fargo Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, Route 66, Gasparilla, these monster quality events. And I'm I'm blessed to be a staple amongst many of them. 
And you were a marathoner at one time as well. Well, I do run. Yeah, I run all sorts of distances. My favorite type of racing is obstacle course racing, but um, my big marathon is the Boston Marathon. That's the one I've run. And if you're going to run a race, you know, Boston's not a bad choice. It was it was an awesome experience. That's a, that's the big one. That's one, the one that everybody knows. Yeah. I got to ask you, though, because I was a boxer at one time. Love. And um, um, my last fight, and you'll, the reason it was my last fight is because I got punched in the face, got knocked knocked out, and either broke my cheek on the, when I hit the floor nice. or when or him. And the biggest thing that I, the problem that I had was I thought my nose was broke and it was like, cause it was, you know, it was really painful. And I was thinking, Oh no, what am I going to do? This beautiful face. My nose is broke. You were a kickboxer for 10 years. Weren't you concerned that it was going to, that somebody was going to hurt you or that it was going to, you know, refigure your face or something? Yes, yes absolutely. Obviously that's a uh, fear. Um, fortunately for me, my injuries mostly remained below the neck. So I broke 30 something toes. Not that I have 30 something toes, but some of them <laughs> yeah, were broken yeah. repeatedly. Um, I broke my ischium, tore a hamstring, broke my clavicle. Um, trying to think, I'm sure there was a few other nightmarish experiences. Uh, never any, I, I did have one point where I, I'm pretty sure I had a concussion. It was, I got hit so hard and my right arm just went numb. And I, I slept it off, but I, I never sought treatment for that. I'm pretty sure it was probably a mild concussion. And then the worst things ever to my face were black eyes, split lips, bloody nose. And I found solace in, in the idea that I might have a broken nose or be disfigured by the fact that other people are disfigured doing all sorts of stupid crap. I mean, my my mom collided heads with my sister. She broke her nose. They were just playing with a dog. You know, there's a whole bunch of people doing really unexciting things that have, you know, bad stuff happening in their faces. At least the thing I was doing was freaking awesome. And it made me super happy and fit. So yeah, it was, it was worth the, con the benefits always outweigh the consequences with fighting. Yes, indeed. And kicking somebody in the head. See, if they were four foot five or less, I could probably maybe kick them in the head. But if anything higher than that, I'm not going to become even close. How 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 high can you kick? Well, how high could I kick? So I'm less oh, okay. flexible yeah. now because I'm a grown up. Um, <laughs> but I could have kicked Conan O'Brien in the head back in the day. So, yeah, I started okay. off inflexible and then I really earned it. I could basically do a split standing up. Um, but I don't think I could go straight up anymore. I haven't tried it in a while. I'm not going to try it. It's it must be really incredible to have all the things. And it, it well, it's like you're kind of blessed because it's like um, you and somebody hired you to do the uh, race announcing. And like we talked uh, before the show last time, that they said you do such a good job, and we would like to hire you to do this. And then that then it kind of became everybody found out about you. And so all the different organizers said, well, we got to have her here if she's there and, and stuff like that. So it's all turned into a really wonderful career for you, hasn't it? It sure has. And everything I do uh, intertwines, right? So the fitness and sport performance clinics that I teach, that led to race announcing. But when I'm with the races, often they have me speak, teach a clinic about fitness training and of course, with my books, uh, we we haven't mentioned that yet, but I'm an author. I have my fourth book coming out 
soon. Three of them are the Cancer Comeback Series. And, you know, the running community has been brought into, you know, just because you run doesn't mean you're fit. Just because you run doesn't mean you know how to strength train or balance train or stretch or eat right. And then all of these things are interrelatable with cancer and uh, coming back from that. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm really, I do a variety of things, but I'm really a one trick pony. What do I do? I help people live better and longer. And I, I do so via communication. And, uh, you, and you mentioned it, so we might as well yeah. uh, bring it up now is through while you're in the midst of all of the adulation and Wonderful. people saying, I, I, I recognize you and you, you're helping people and you're doing some great things. You got the big C. I sure did. Yeah. I mean, that was certainly a surprise. Something it, it, It's funny. It's something I wouldn't have anticipated, but I also knew that why not me? So people ask me a lot, dude, you ever have that why me moment? And no, the answer is no. I live in Gainesville, Florida. We have a a pediatric oncology wing at, at the University of Florida Hospital. There's babies in there with cancer. So they did nothing to earn it. So, you know, throughout my life, have I done something to earn breast cancer? Perhaps. Um, But yeah, it was definitely a surprise. And I had a clean mammogram at the very end of 2018. And then seven weeks later at a race weekend in a hotel bathroom, I got out of the shower, I rubbed my underboob, and I found a lump. And uh, thankfully, my best decision was right up front. I picked up the phone immediately, naked in the bathroom, picked up my phone, called a doctor, said, I found a lump. And she said, can you come in tomorrow? And I said, no, I'm running a race. How about Monday? Is <laughs> it okay? And so within about a week or so, I had the appointment and the mammogram and the ultrasound and the biopsy. And I got that phone call that said, hey, Fitz, you have breast cancer and uh, you have a sizey tumor and it's already spread to your lymph nodes. It's running through you like wildfire and we need to treat you ASAP. And I, I said, let's get the cancer killing show on the road. And because of the type of shape that you were in and the age you were in, that they could apply it and they could be a lot more aggressive than an older person might have been. So they could really take take you to where they needed to take you, including 33 rounds of, uh, of um, uh, radiation and 20-something rounds of chemo. And I can't imagine the, the pain and how difficult that was. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of fear and a lot of stress and certainly a lot of suffering. Uh, Radiation, I actually found to be a walk in the park. I had 33 rounds and I thought it was delightful. It was easy. It was non-invasive. And thankfully, I didn't get those horrific burns that most people or many people do. Um, Chemo, on the other hand, wreaked havoc on me. So I had six six rounds up front. We called the main chemo. It was a concoction of four real nasty drugs that uh, I was grateful for, but they they brutalized me. They had me living in a state of nonstop uh, f- food poisoning. I mean, that's probably the great the thing I could compare it to. Just imagine having food poisoning or a stomach bug nonstop for six months. That that was my gift. And then I had fifteen rounds and ten more months of a lesser chemo that was still kind of mean. Um, but yeah, it was it was awful and scary and stressful. But I made some great decisions. And, you know, number one, my health and fitness certainly paid off. It's when I went in for my sixth round of chemo, talking to my oncologist. So you'd have to see your doctor before they would release you to, to get chemo. So I'd meet with him and they drew out blood and so and so. But, you know, chemo number one is really scary because of the unknown, right? You think, oh, this is going to be crazy. What's going to happen? 
Um, chemo number six for me was way scarier because of the known, right? I already knew what it was going to do to me and it wasn't going to be nice. So by the time I was in for uh, round number six, I had been doing chemo for five months. I was bald. I had no lashes, no fingernails. My stomach had been through a cheese grater and, uh, I, I was, a, I was weak, you know, it was, it was a rough situation. So I go in for a chemo number six and I'm a little, I'm a little stressed. So you can see the tears in my face and my doctor, Dr. Gordon, who's just brilliant. He says, Fitz, you have done so good. I'm so proud of you. I said, Dr. Gordon, I have not done good. He said, no, you've done great. I, you, you just, I'm so proud of you. And I said, Dr. Gordon, why are you saying this? Every ounce of me has been obliterated. I am falling apart. Why are you saying I'm doing well? He said, Fitz, this is a deal. He said, if you were not so committed to health and fitness when you started this treatment and as you've come through it, you would not have been able to already take 10 different flights around the country to announce all of these races. I mean, I never stopped traveling. I never stopped working. And my work is intense. You know, I'm, I'm on planes and I'm hosting thousands and thousands of people. He said, you never would have been able to do that if you didn't have a strong commitment to fitness. He said, in fact, you likely would have been hospitalized. I've given you the meanest combination of drugs I give anyone. So you likely would have been in hospitalized. You in the hospital, you might have had a feeding tube, which would have made you prone to infection. So when I say you've done great, I'm not saying you haven't suffered. What I'm saying is, boy, have you had more adventure and travel than most healthy people do in a decade? And so at that point, I thought, oh, okay, this is, I get it now. I get it. And so, yeah, I had to do a bunch of tricky tricks. I had uh, IV fluids five days a week for six months, IV fluids in New York and in uh, California and all sorts of places. And you were still traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is what people need to take is that I'm not a superhero. There's no Marvel blood throwing, blowing, uh, flowing through me is that I made decisions. You know, number one, I chose perspective. P pity parties are not helpful to anybody at any time ever. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel stressed. And I was definitely those things. I probably cried every single day, but I would have my cry. I would get it over with and I'd get on with it you know, perspective. For me, it was, I'm not a kid with cancer. It's not my kid with cancer. And short of those two things, I'm grateful to be an adult with cancer. I am going to put on my big girl panties and soldier on. And I did. And then I chose my passions. You know, my passions were my kids and my career. I decided up front and, and, you know, cancer, every cancer case is like a snowflake. Not everybody has such great fortune to even have a cure in, um, in their future, which I did. But, you know, if Ginger and Parker were going to have a show, a ceremony, a sport, I was going to be there. I just decided, no, I, I couldn't drive them to school. I couldn't make their lunches. There was a lot of things I couldn't do, but I showed up for the big stuff. And that was important to me. I also showed up for my career. As you know, as a man who works on the microphone, it's not easy to have someone give it to you. You know, those stages that I work on are coveted. Those events I host are, are incredible. And the people that I serve are extraordinary. So I knew that if I stayed home, all I would be was sad. All I would be was sick. And so it was worth getting on those planes and flying and doing all the work it took to get to point B. Because the second I stood on those stages, even if I had slept on the bathroom floor, the hotel bathroom floor the night before, you know, the second I got on those stages, everything that was wrong with me disappeared. My sickness, my pain, my fatigue, my suffering, all of it just dissipated. And I got to focus on these incredible humans 
And uh, the adrenaline gave me a boost. And I got to basically be full force Fitz Kohler again. So yeah, I mean, good decisions. Cancer hit me hard. I didn't get unscathed. I, I didn't get away with it easily. Like um, some people might guess based on my performance, but I made good decisions and, and we're humans are pretty miraculous creatures when we're uh, committed to doing something that's important to us. I'm willing to bet also that you had a good support team around you, people who loved you and cared for you and uh, supported you through all of this. Non-stop. So my family was fantastic. If, uh, if I needed a drink, my husband got me a drink. He took me to all the appointments. I never had to be alone for those scary things or uh, yeah, I mean, I was just always cared for my children. Our, our friends drove them around to this, to school, to their events, their special things, their friends supported them. My runners, my race directors, they showed up big time. I wasn't really asking for much other than the IV fluids. That's actually, <laughs> I had to call some race directors and say, Hey, this is going to be a weird request, but can you help me get IV fluids? And they went, uh, sure. <laughs> and they did, but the runners, and, and when I say runners, I hope everybody knows we're not talking about Flojo or Usain Bolt. We're talking about everyday, regular people who walk or run short or long distances for some athletic adventure and health. These are regular Joes and Janes. And they showed up with blankets, with hats, with snacks, with drinks. Quite, there was quite a few times where their snacks and their drinks saved me from passing out on a stage. Uh, they were a godsend. And everybody was so kind and strangers were so kind. You know, Kevin, people pick on Americans like we're bad. No, Americans are the kindest. I flew around this nation with no hair. I never wore a pink ribbon. I never wore the word cancer on my shirt. I just, you know, I just was soldiering on and everybody of every background, every age, every socioeconomic status, everybody did their best to be kind to me, to help me, to lift me up. They were just going out of their way to uh, be supportive in little and, and big ways. We, we are so blessed to be in such a wonderful, wonderful country. You know, and I'll tell you, um, I interviewed a, um, a gentleman who wrote a book called Daddy's Girl. His uh, daughter, 27, had colon cancer, Excellent. and they found the colon cancer as she was giving birth oh. to her baby. And it was stage four colon cancer. And because the family, like in, and the support network that they had around them, like you had around you, which is why I asked you the question, because I knew that because the outcome, it was difficult the whole time, but, but the outcome has got better because of the support group, in my opinion, the support group that was around you and was around them. So you can go to positivetalkradio.net to uh, listen to that show. It really is powerful. But you are just, it's remarkable the things that, uh, that you're able to do. But how, has anybody ever asked you, how, how, how'd you get so tough? Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm tough. I'm a joy addict. So I'll start there. That's a great gift is I will always choose joy. I will always choose happy versus the negative or the sad or the pitiful. Um, and, and I do think I'm scrappy. I don't know. Maybe it's my Irish ancestors. I was the youngest of three. My older siblings pushed me around a whole bunch and, uh, I learned to stick up for myself. So I don't know if I'm really so tough, but, um, you know, I want what I want. And usually what I want is just to be healthy and happy. So those are things worth fighting for. 
And when we come back from this break, because we're going to take a, just a couple of minute break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the things that you are doing to help people stay healthy. And one of your missions in life is to help people live 10 years longer than they would have otherwise. And you are, you are an exceptional human being. And I also may even ask you what it's like to work with, uh, oh, I don't know, Brooke Shields oh. or Christina Applegate or Steve Spurrier, the football coach. Vanessa Williams, Venus Williams, that's why they won so many tournaments between those because of you. So um, <laughs> we're talking with Fitz Kohler and go to her website, which is Fitzness. I can't even say it properly, but uh, it's Fitzness and F I T Z N E S S dot com. You can find out all the information about her and the work that she's done, the people that she's met. Um, she's written four books. There needs to be another one about her life. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask her that too. Is she going to do a biography of, of all the things that she's done because it's really been quite special. And we will return in just a moment. You're listening to Positive Talk Radio on KKNW 1158. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information, with real people discussing real issues, and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, my friend. I'd really like to thank you for listening to the show today. As you may know, I started Positive Talk Radio way back in 2003. We were one of the first shows on KKNW. For 11 months, I was fortunate to be part of many lives, making a positive difference with great interviews and discussions, creating new thoughts and ideas. Sadly, for financial reasons, I had to terminate the show. Well, it took 18 years, but we're back better than ever. And not only on KKNW Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but also podcasting with several inspiring channels with the same driving passion as the original. Please visit kmmedia.pro for complete information about all of these shows. In addition, if you feel called to keep positive programming on the air, you can join us by sponsoring the show and aligning yourself with our mission, which is nothing short of saving the planet and each other. Again, that's kmmedia.pro. I'll see you there. And welcome back, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. And I've got a great guest for this hour. She is a wonderfully talented, vivacious too many adjectives. That you're going to give me a fat head. That's what you're going to do, Kevin. Well, well, you can use a couple of pounds. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you are you are sensational at what you do, and and 
so much so that uh by the way i keep reading more about you and i find out more you have a dvd that came out in 2013 what's the name of that one it's called flip flop abs and it's not a reference to the shoes on your feet it's in reference to when people are training doing core training they i i have them flip from side to side and front to back we do all sorts of interesting transitions so we hit their core at different angles and that was a a big success very big uh, success yes and and stuff <laughs> so so uh what's his name uh, richards uh, no never mind the, 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 richard the, simmons you that guy have yeah. you ever met him <laughs> he can't no, hold a candle I, to you i wish i had he's i mean what a delight actually my like my favorite fitness professional ever is jack lane the godfather of fitness going way back but i did get to interview him and it was it was just a wonderful interview and he was hard of hearing he was in his 90s so his wife was there to help kind of translate if he couldn't hear me and at some point he broke out in song and sang her this really sweet love song during our interview i have it on i have it on some sort of tape recorder somewhere i need to find but yeah, Jack Lane, yes, Richard Simmons, he's fallen off the grid. If he hadn't, I'm sure I would have connected with him already, but uh I got I got to tell you, Jack Lane, now I'm a touch older than you. Mm -hmm. But in in the uh 60s when I would be homesick from school and Jack Lane would come on and his dog Storm and his wife's name was uh Elaine and and they would uh he would do his exercises and stuff and my mother would be right alongside him doing the exercises oh, and stuff. so so he was uh and, and he did it for so long and he and he had that smoothie machine that he uh you know the uh that he thought was wonderful and it's Vegematic or some something okay that he did so that that now that's a cool thing because he was really um a big deal for a long time yeah he's legit and if people go back and look at youtube under uh jack lalane look on look watch the video sugar busters he's on target like the info this is the deal with fitness is the information doesn't change all these new hokey snake oil products are just crap if anything has a word diet on it it's crap you should not buy it i'm telling you right now there is a zero percent chance that that product is good for you it has the word diet or weight loss on it because really weight loss is about watching what you put in your mouth and quantities and taking food that maybe doesn't even come in in packages and then moving your body there is no secret hocus pocus uh product you buy it's yeah, exercise. So all the things that he was telling people in the 60s are still valid today. Technology be damned. Well, you know, it's true. It's so true that that it doesn't really change. And, and a lot of us have got problems with with food because of how we were raised and and how it was. Don't you leave this this table, young man, until you've eaten everything on your plate. Yeah. And all of the, you know, all the things that we were raised with and stuff. And I'm glad that you are out there and you work specifically with a lot of kids as well. I do. I do. So I have a large before school walking running program called the morning mile. It doesn't really have anything to do with one mile, um, but it's implemented in over 400 schools worldwide. And the kids get 30 minutes before school to walk or run at their leisure. We play music. We provide a great system of rewards that keeps the kids highly motivated and then they can come out, they can do walk one lap slowly and go to class. They can stay the whole 30 minutes and run four miles with their dad or with their teacher because families and faculties are involved. 
And uh, most of my morning mile program have at least 100 people out on the field or on the track every morning. And it's a real simple, stupid uh, thing to get started. And it yields extraordinary results. And yeah, I mean, it just hopefully trains kids to start their day in an active way. That's it. It's not complicated. But can we prevent type 2 diabetes? I think so. Can we prevent people getting in their 30s and saying, oh, crap, I need a diet, right? So if we start them off with healthy habits, hopefully they will appreciate them, enjoy them, and carry them through adulthood. How did you get it into 400 schools? You must be some marketer, too. I am a pain in the ass. Can I say that? Is that did I just get you fined? No, not, not, no, no. Eric's got a seven-second delay, so he's the judge. Beat me, Eric. Uh, yeah, I'm a pain in the tush. When, I, I, when I'm passionate about something, I lean in, and obviously getting kids moving is something that's worthy of my passion and my attention. And, you know, the program really sells itself now what happens is parents or principals or teachers hear about the program from one of their friends and then they reach out it's morningmile.com and they say how do we get it started here and then i help them get it started so uh yeah i i've done a lot of wonderful things in my career things i'm very proud of but i do believe at the end of this life morning mile will be the most important thing i've ever done it's important and this is a lesson for all of us that when you are I don't know, on your last day when you're 137 and a half. Right. Um, that you can look back and you can say, I did everything within my power to do the best job that I knew how to do. And I'm proud of the person that I was and the accomplishments that I made. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm certainly not perfect in any regard. I mean, boy, am I a flawed person, but um, I. I have to deal with this chick in the mirror every day and she's brutal. So I, yeah, she's just really a pain in the can. And so I have a lot to live up to. I give myself a hard time and so far it's been working for me. Well, but you not only, you may be tough on yourself, but I got to believe that you believe in yourself as well. You wouldn't I be do. able to do all this stuff. I do. You know what? I feel, I feel good about who I am. I feel good about what I've done. I've, I associate up, you know, I've learned early to find people better than myself and hang with them. And so those, those people don't drag you down. I surround myself by animals as much as possible. And I do think that's the secret to my success. My doggos, my farm friends, um, you know, I, I'm a joy addict and I mean that I, I choose it as often as possible. And it really works well for me. Why do you think it is that some people don't believe it's possible to live a joyful life? It's interesting to me. I, th I do think there's some nature involved. I have a couple of members of my family who just, they love it when things are wrong. They love to worry. They love to complain. You know, I'm so pragmatic. I know that worrying never helps. It never solves a problem. So why would I do something that is so foolish to make me feel bad to provide all those toxic feelings inside of me that, you know, leads to weight gain and lack of sleep and all of these bad decisions? I, I can turn off. Like when I found that lump in my breast, I didn't let it eat me alive until I found the information. I decided I'm at a race weekend. I'm here to run and have fun with friends. I'm going to do that. And the milk hasn't spilt yet. So I'm just going to keep going and enjoying the things that I'm enjoying that I've laid out that I've laid out in front of myself until I have a real reason to worry about. Now, 
when I was told, Hey girl, you got cancer. I did some boohoo and you know, but, uh, it, I, it only helps so much. I think some people, maybe they're not pragmatic. Maybe they haven't even considered how foolish, uh, agonizing over some of these things are. And then I think it's a learned behavior, right? So when I'm stressed, I go exercise, I go outside, I go with my dogs. I know the things that will, uh, provide peace in my chest. So I do those things. Maybe somebody hasn't programmed themselves to do the things it takes to calm them down and make them feel good. I think in some, in some people's cases, they just don't, they don't know how, and they don't think they're worthy of it. And that's comes from their childhood comes from a long time ago. And you, you have to believe in yourself and you do. And, yeah. and no matter what it is that you that you've done, whether it be uh, become a um, um, an announcer, or you're on TV, or you're creating a video, or you're coaching Brooke Shields for heaven's sakes. Um, by the way, is she a nice lady? Oh my gosh, she is so lovely, so self deprecating. So I can. T- that's a funny story. When I was going to work with her, it was arranged by a PR professional. So I get into. I think it's either the Four Seasons or the Ritz in Dallas. And so I, I show up in the hotel lobby and then I see a woman who I think, I don't even know why I think, but I think she's the PR person because she's stylish and PR people are normally stylish. So yeah. her name, let's call her Robin. I don't remember her name, but I say Robin and she's walking away and I go, Robin. And she keeps walking and I start picking up my pace and Robin gets up to the elevator and I get right behind her and I say, hey, Robin. And she walks into the elevator and turns around and it's Brooke. And all I think is that. Crap. Now I'm a stalker. This is how we're meeting as I am hunting her down, chasing her to the elevator. So, and, and then she said, hi. And I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't looking for you. And I, I just, I, what can you do? I couldn't undo it. Right. So then I go to the place where we're supposed to meet and she shows up. She goes, I said, I'm so sorry. She goes, I knew you weren't looking for me. It's okay. And then she told me about the time she was a stalker, I think for the Jonas brothers with her kids. And, um, yeah, so she's wonderful and she is so beautiful. I remember trying to do hair and makeup for myself that morning and just thinking you're going to sit next to Brooke Shields. You should not even try Just show up in a bun and a pajamas. Cause you cannot look nice next to Brooke Shields. And she lived up to that. She's absolutely radiant. She glows. She just, exudes joy and beauty so yay brooke shields how did you get in in involved with working with celebrities is it just because was it just kind of a um, a natural progression for you uh, so some of it is me guy offering guidance and some of it is me as a media professional so what i learned early is that you know in a in a very sad state of affairs if i were on a stage say there's a thousand people and we're talking fitness and it's me and Beyonce on a stage. If somebody wanted to know how to get a great butt, even though I have the master's degree and the decades of experience, if somebody wanted to know how to get a great butt, they would pass up my credentials and they would ask Beyonce who was born with it. Right. And so instead of fighting that situation, what I decided, okay, I'll just join forces with these people. Cause what I find with Hollywood, where their, their careers actually rely on them taking really good care of themselves and, and they won't get roles, et cetera, if they aren't in good shape, that those people tried a bunch of diets, they tried a bunch of dumb pills, they tried everything the hard the wrong way. And then they eventually learn that if they want to stay in great shape, they're going to have to 
watch what they put in their mouth and move their body and get some sleep. And so I utilize celebrities as, you know, they are the ones who tell the story to the consumer that I want them to tell because they almost across the board, all of them will say, I gained weight. I did some pills. I tried some diets. None of them work. And now I exercise and I eat fruits and veggies. So yeah, I use celebrities as a tool, as a messenger. You know, we, we think uh, as normal folk that are just kind of out in the community, we think, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to be a celebrity? Wouldn't it be nice to have all that fame? And and it's hard work and not very many of them actually make a living at it. Right. Yeah. It's a very small percentage of people who go out for acting actually make a living wage. Um, you know what? I, I think probably earning, uh, becoming so financially settled for many of them is a great reward. But yeah, I don't think I would enjoy the uh, microscope on me like Jennifer Aniston has. That would be really uncomfortable, don't you think? Oh, she can't go anywhere. No. She, she and or, or she has to be in some kind of a disguise to go to go someplace. And then if she goes, if she, <laughs> she meets an old friend, good looking guy, they go out for a cup of coffee and the next day in the inquire, it'll be all over the front page that she's having a new affair and it might have nothing to do with anything. Well, and you're right. And I'm sure someone like Jen has probably just decided it's not worth my time worrying about it. She probably had to get pragmatic and say, I cannot control every story in every magazine. It's funny. You know, I'm certainly no Jennifer Aniston, but I have a lot of photos taking me on race weekend. Some of them are super cute. And I think, oh, I like that one. But the majority, majority of them are hideous because I'm in the middle of speaking. <laughs> and so my mouth is weird. Sometimes my eyes are closed. <laughs> it's sun in my face. I can't control that. There's a millions of hideous Fitzcoler pictures out there. I look like crap. And all I hope is that people who know me know what I really look like. And they don't think I'm stuck in that stupid mouth, half open, eyes half closed um position you know what can you do right can't control other people or what they think of you or when they or when they snap the picture right so oh well right you just move on oh exactly well you know the interesting thing is that because of the person that you are um and by the way if you're not watching this in video you need to go watch this in video she's a strikingly pretty woman um and she's and she works very hard at it but what you do do when you are on stage before an event or you're working with, you know, 20,000 of your closest friends that are, that are there and they're about to start running, you have got a spirit about you and a vivacious attitude about you. So it's not about how pretty you are. It's what you can give them entertainment wise. Well, yeah, my looks have nothing to do with my work. And which is, I, well, I can tell you when I stood on those stages, bald and gray with no lashes and no eyebrows, and I look like Voldemort, I was able to provide the same experience to those athletes that I do with some cute braids. So yeah, my, my appearance has, has nothing to do with my success professionally, but, um, man, I'm just chomping at the bit. I love race morning. I love these people. And you know, you think about a horse just being unleashed at the Kentucky Derby. That's how I feel when I get on the stage. It's like, all right, let's go. And I have a deep comfort level with these people, much as I do when I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my kids or neighbors. It just feels so good. Uh, I love them so much. And the joy they they 
send back my way with their cheers and their smiles. And they run by, I call it the whoopee party. They run by me like, yeah, and they wave and shout my name. And I think, holy mackerel, I love you. I want to jump on their back and ride them to the finish line just to be with them. And they do that in, in mass. It's, yeah. and you, you have become, you know, it's really cool. And, you know, and someone like me, you would, you would think because you've been on, you know, national tv like 200 times and you know some celebrities and you know all these people and stuff it could be very intimidating for someone like me to interview you you really oh that's silly you're so talented you're a natural at what you do i am definitely not big big whoop for you (laughs) you you are big whoop for me because what you're doing is you are helping people every day through your books through the the dvd through your talks through everything that you do that they can do something that they didn't think that they could do yesterday. So I do have value. That's the thing is, um, you know, I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the most stylish. I'm not all of these other things, but I have a really solid place in the world where I actually do compel people to do better and be better. And that's, that's my real value is I'm, you know, a providing the information, honest information, uh, no lies, no snake oil, no, no, no games. Just, I will tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. Like I never give out unsolicited advice. I'll start there, but people come to me. I don't tiptoe. I'm going to tell you that, Hey, you're facing amputations of these toes and these limbs. If you keep going in the direction you are, you will not likely get to be in your seventies. If you remain at the weight you are, you know, I'm, I, I give out the tough love, but I give it, I give all honest information wrapped in love. And so that's kind of how I get away with it, right? People come back. My greatest bit of feedback is, thank you for being brutally honest. And <laughs> I get to be brutally honest because people know that I love them, right? And they're, they won't listen to their spouse. They won't listen to their parent. Won't, and certainly your boss can't talk to you about your weight or your health. And so you'll come to an actual fitness pro and she tells you the truth and you go, Damn it. You know, you're right. You might think I'm a jerk for a good 30 minutes, but then you start going, yeah, she's right. And then, and then I'm there to help you through it. You know, I provide all these free resources on my website. And then, you know, I have these books. My books are for cancer patients for crying out loud. So, um, yeah, yeah, I do have, I think a very important role and I'm so grateful when people give me time, give me, lend me their ear and trust me with their health. It's because you approach it from a really positive mindset, a positive way. You don't you don't talk down to people. No. You don't say, "By the way, you're fat." You say you <laughs> you have a way of of putting it so that they feel cared for, and they also feel like maybe they want to contribute to this world a little bit longer. So maybe they should get in better shape. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it helps. I'm a true believer in this fitness thing, and it's not just about your body, you know, and of course your body is the big part of it. Uh, but if you exercise and you watch what you put in your mouth and you get the sleep again, I'm not trying to get everybody to look like Kim Kardashian or whatever. It's we're grownups, right? That's kind of not a priority. It's about feeling good and your body doing the things you want it to do. Maybe you can play with your kids or grandkids. Maybe you can engage in a sport, do some canoeing or hiking. Those are performance values. And then, of course, your looks, that's up to you, What you how, however you would like your body to look. But then if you take good care of yourself or better, you know, just keep improving, you're more likely to get the job 
you're more likely to get the account. You're more likely to have a quality relationship with your spouse and your children because people that are unfit are often quite cranky because of their pain and their stiffness and their lack of energy. And people that are feeling good, they're a little bit nicer to live with. So, you know, I, I have an online course. It's called Fixing Your Life with Fitness. And I never talk about looking hot in a thong. It's just all about your life, your quality of life. And you don't have to be a marathon runner. You just do better. Every day you push the envelope a little bit. Wow. You could really impress yourself in a short amount of time. And that also includes if you're sedentary, just getting up and moving for 20 minutes. Absolutely. So, um, so we have talked about the books a little bit, but this one's your healthy cancer comeback. Now you think about cancer patients, you think, oh, the whole time they're just out in bed puking. Well, sometimes, but not all the time. And not everybody has that. So I've got um, chapter seven in here. I've got hundreds of photos in here. And so some of the photos are regular exercises for all your body parts to do standing, et cetera. Well, let's say you can't stand at the moment. Okay, fine. Well, here's dozens of exercises, full color with instructions that you can do seated in a chair. And then let's say you can't sit in a chair because you're so sick, you're stuck in bed. All right, well, here's a bunch of stretches and strength training you can do in bed. And then, you know, if you're like me and you're so sick and you're always in the shower, here's stretches to do in the shower. And so fitness isn't about doing a bodybuilding competition. It's just about you know, making baby steps doing what you can, when you can to get yourself better. And that, and that does come in all ages and all fitness levels and all, all stages of health, right? Now that's the latest book, isn't it? That's it. Your healthy cancer. Comes it just out. came so out excited. in 2022. Uh, yes. or did 23, it just 23. It's brand new. Oh, it's brand new. And brand the name of the book again new. is. Yeah. Excuse what, me. What's the name of the book again? Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick Too Strong. And this is the book I want in the hands of every cancer patient and survivor on earth because using exercise, nutrition, sleep, complementary care, they can increase their chances of remission and decrease their chances of recurrence and obviously improve their overall quality of life. So and this it's just, is, they can get it at Amazon and everywhere? Amazon. If you want signed copies, come to fitness.com. But Your Healthy Cancer Comeback is sold wherever books are sold. I recommend you get the signed copy. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I throw in a gift. Awesome. That's, that's, that's even better. And just, just the, the, your signature is enough, but I want to thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure for me. You are a delightful man, Kevin, and I'm so happy to know you. Thank you for having me on your show. See, that's how you, that's how you get into everybody's heart. They, <laughs> you, you say stuff like that, then they, everybody, isn't she nice? But you are. I am. And it's really genuine, and Thank I really you. appreciate it. And before we go, I would like you, have got about a minute left. I would like you to tell our audience anything you'd like them to know. Um, well, you can come find me, fitness.com. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. It's my home base for everything. And I've got all sorts of free resources on there exact formula for weight loss, free workout videos, you name it. I'd love to um, help you live better and longer. Uh, all my books are on sale at fitness.com and my courses, and those are the signed copies, et cetera. And then I'm at fitness on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I love LinkedIn connections. And here's the deal. If you follow, I promise quality content in return, but really what I'd prefer is for you to say, I heard you on Positive Talk Radio, and I'd love to connect because I'd much rather have friends than followers. 
<laughs> and and again, uh, Fitz, I thank you so much for being here. You're you're just a delight. Will you come back and will you see me again? I want to come back every day, Kevin. You got it. I would love to have you back. You can be my co-host or I can be your co-host. One of the two. So thank you very much for being here. You've been listening to Positive Talk Radio. And by the way, remember, take care of one another because each other is all we've got. We'll see you Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Thank you.